0: Welcome to History of College Football Podcast. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we are lucky to have a very special guest. Lisa Kelly, author of the series of books, Echoes from Notre Dame, and host of the website, Echoes from Notre Dame, a book series by Lisa Kelly. You can also follow her on Twitter at at fourleafclovergirl, that's the number four. Leaf Clover Girl, and also on Twitter for her books, at nd ND for Notre Dame. Ms. Kelly is a Notre Dame alum. She won the biggest fan of the Big East contest, and she was representing Notre Dame back in 2012. She won a Volvo on center court at Madison Square Garden for this accomplishment. And she has a weekly column, and you can find it at OneFootDown, that's O-N-E-F-O-O-T-D-O-W-N, OneFootDown.com. Today, Ms. Kelly and I will discuss the college football history of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It is indeed an honor to have you on my podcast. First, tell me, Ms. Kelly, about your book series, Echoes from Notre Dame.
1: Thank you for having me today. Um, You know, my deciding to write these books kind of goes back to the contest where I won the car at Madison Square Gardens. Um, During the contest, it was a writing contest. So um, we were all bloggers and every two weeks we had writing assignments and it lasted for about six months. So during the course of the contest, I became aware that the media loves to gravitate toward the negative stories. So you're always gonna hear the story of, you know, the kid who cheats on a final or gets in trouble and gets kicked out of school. And what I wanted to do was kind of, create a series on my blog that focused on all of the positive things that athletes you know do in their lives and of course focused on Notre Dame and so the first guy I interviewed was Oscar McBride Mm. and we sat down and kind of did a journey of how he got to Notre Dame what his experience was like and then where his life went post sports and it had about 2000 page views on my blog which I was excited I had a small little blog you know then the next guy was Rick Meyer and his story had 10,000 page Mm. views from there it just really took off Um, so this started around May of 2012 and between May of 2012 and January of 2013 I interviewed 32 football players it really just kind of Took a life of its own, and one guy introduced me to the next guy. And we just had a really great time telling these stories of, you know, the positive things that they learned during their time at Notre Dame, and then how they take that into their lives and give back to their communities, you know, the great career paths they've been on, and just a really diverse, you know, bunch of career paths. It's not like they're all bankers or lawyers but I have one guy on an oil rig off the coast of Australia I've got one guy who became a Methodist minister I have a guy who has a winery in Napa Valley so very diverse um, but it's just really great to share the positive stories and and show how they're all giving back in their daily lives
0: what an incredible journey you are on that is that is wonderful What made you decide to write your first book?
1: Well, after I did these 32 interviews, one of the gentlemen that was in my first book, he was also an author, and he kind of planted the bug in my head. Hey, why don't you take these stories and create it into a book? And, you know, I wasn't sure. I don't what do I know about writing a book, you know, and he volunteered to be my writing coach. And. Uh, One of the other gentlemen, Oscar McBride, he was also an author, and he cheered me along. So between Marv Russell and Oscar McBride, they just kind of guided me through the process, and it was kind of a whirlwind. We wrote the book in February and March. We edited in April and May. We sent it to the publisher June 1st. I had a book in my hand in August, and that was the first book. It just... It was crazy, you know. I was not that kid who said, "When I grow up, I want to be a writer." That wasn't me at all. But when you're passionate about something, it just kind of took me on the journey, and it was—it's been great.
0: Wow, must take an incredible amount of self-discipline, especially to put out a book that fast. That is a whirlwind.
1: Well, and I had a full-time job at the time, so I was working four days a week. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would put a little sign on my door and tell the kids, you know, mom is writing, you know, come back in a couple hours.
0: (laughs) That's an incredible amount of passion you have for college football to do that. That is great.
1: I love it. I just think it's important to tell the positive stories. And that was kind of my goal in all of this.
0: Oh, it it certainly is so important to keep the memories alive and to frame it in a positive outlook. Uh, Well done. Very well done. Thank you. Uh, you. On my podcast, uh, often we dedicate episodes to discussing the college football history of a particular school. And back on episode 10, we discussed the college football history of Notre Dame. So let's start with the coaches and and talk more broadly In, in an anecdotal argument what measuring sticks would you use to compare coaching greats from the different eras?
1: I mean, obviously, you know, winning records are very important. Um, I think you need to look at the success of the players in their post-college careers. Hmm. Um, but I think there's a lot of intangible things that go into determining great teams and great coaches. I mean. I think a good coach has to be a good leader. I think they have to have a good rapport, good relationships with their teams. So I think there's a lot that goes into it.
0: Fantastic insight. Well said. Um, uh, On our episode, uh, we had a more difficult time than you would think coming up with the best coach, right? Uh, There's six coaches that have a winning percentage at Notre Dame, over 75%. So eventually we settled on a comparison of three coaches, uh, Newt Rockne, Frank Leahy, Eric Hossegian. So my question, if you had to stream it down to the three greatest coaches at Notre Dame, uh, how'd we do?
1: I think you guys did great. I mean, it is really hard to narrow down from those six to pick just three. Um, But I think those three are just kind of iconic Notre Dame coaches. And for me personally, my dad was there when Coach Parsegian was there. And so Mm. he's probably, of those three, the one that I know the most about. I mean – I've done some reading on Rackney. Um, I'm just not as knowledgeable about Leahy, but you know, you you see all the records, and and the guys just glow over all of those coaches.
0: If I had to put you on the spot, who who is Notre Dame's greatest coach?
1: That, it's a really hard question, um, but I probably would go with Parson. I mean, I think he just had a way. With, you know, he came into Notre Dame and he rearranged players and moved them into new positions. He just had an insight to be able to know where someone would fit within the roster and and how to get the best cohesiveness um, on his team. So um, I got to know him a little bit over the years. We did. And he, yeah, I you know, through my dad, I had met him. And then through some of the guys who played for him, I was invited to a couple golf tournaments and got to sit at a table, have lunch with him and Johnny Latner, And I mean, you talk about oh, a pinch wow. me moment. That certainly was mine.
0: <laughs> so, so what was he like? Can-
1: He's wonderful. I mean, I sat at a table with coach Parsejan and Johnny Latner and his wife, and they just spent about three hours telling stories about, you know, era about coaching and his players and just his passion. I mean, he really was a father figure to those men and, Mm -hmm. and he just loved it. And similar to coach Holtz, you know, he didn't just stop coaching after the four years that they were with him. I mean, he kept in touch with his players and there was a longevity to that. You know, I know with the Coach Holtz guys, they could pick up the phone today and say, I need you, uh, you know, I have a family emergency and Coach would drop everything to be there. And I think Coach Parsegian was very similar to that. Uh,
0: same, made of the same metal. He certainly is a coaching icon.
1: Oh, so, for sure.
0: So this, I guess this leads into uh, the next question. Can you speak to how this current generation views the legacy left by by these coaches?
1: I mean, I think overwhelmingly, you know, the Notre Dame fans uh, truly adore all of the, the coaches. Um, they value what they've done for Notre Dame history and how the program has evolved over the years. I mean... One of my favorite books about Newt Rockne is 500 pages long. You know, I mean, there's (laughs) plenty of lore out there and history to be read and talked about. And, you know, when you go on campus and you see the statues of all the great players and you just watch the people stand next to these statues to get their photos taken, you know that there's a true love there.
0: Uh, Engaging take on this generation's perspective. Um, You have such an awareness of the past and the present. uh, Let's turn to the teams. Um, In an anecdotal argument, kind of like I asked before, what measuring sticks would you use to compare greatness of teams from different eras?
1: I think it gets a little harder to compare the eras to each other because you know football today is very different than football was in the 1960s and Mm -hmm. very different to how it was in the 1920s. Um, I think you can look at Teams within like, uh, you know, decades and kind of pick the best ones. But I wouldn't want to compare a team from, you know, 2019 to a team from 1925. I mean, it's just too hard to, it's not apples to apples at that point.
0: No, no I appreciate the nuances you bring. That that makes perfect sense to, to, to me. Um, we did an odd podcast. <laughs> we gave the nod to the 24 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, If I had to say, in your lifetime, what was the best Notre Dame team?
1: Um, In my lifetime, I think the 88 championship team Mm. is probably my favorite. I mean, I think at that point in my life, I had a heightened awareness of college football. You know, my dad is a Notre Dame alum, and so I've kind of always, from the cradle, watched Notre Dame football. But I don't think I really got into it till, you know, my high school years. And so I was a senior in high school when they won the national championship in 88. So that really kind of sparked my journey. I headed to Notre Dame the next year and, you know, that team was just, you know, they had a lot of luck on their side, but they were also a very talented team.
0: Extremely talented (laughs) team. Uh, let's turn to the players. In your opinion, if I had to put you on the spot, best Notre Dame player in the story and history of Notre Dame?
1: I would say Johnny Lujak. I mean, if you look okay. at his resume, you know, three national championships, he was the Heisman Trophy winner, two-time All-American. You really can't get much better than that. I, I mean, I know there's so many great Notre Dame players, but for me, he really would be the top.
0: Very good. How about the games themselves? A few fun questions about the games from Notre Dame. I will start with: If you had to pick the two or three most stunning Notre Dame football losses, what would they be?
1: I would say um, I don't know about stunning, but the most painful okay. losses for me would be oh, like the that. Notre Dame like <laughs> Boston College nineteen ninety three. So we had just beaten us. Uh, we had just beaten Florida State the weekend before was the number one number two battle and then the next week boston college comes to town and beat us on a field goal with you know 19 seconds left in that game and i remember i was at the florida state game the week before and just the pageantry it was the first college football game day and then i was there boston college weekend and just to watch them lose like that was pretty painful <laughs>
0: <laughs> i remember that it's There was talk of that being one of the better Notre Dame teams of all time up until that game. And they probably were.
1: They probably were. I know that team, if you ask guys from that team, they truly feel like they were robbed of the national championship (laughs) that year.
0: (laughs) I can can certainly feel that. (laughs) How about the most stunning Notre Dame win? What would you choose?
1: Uh, For me, the most exciting win that I saw in person was the Notre Dame-Penn State Snow Bowl in
0: 1992.
1: And so you're talking, you know, Reggie Brooks and Rick Meyer and Jerome Bettis. So, you know, it just snowed like crazy that day. They kept having to take brooms out and and sweep the yard lines off because they couldn't see where the yard lines were. Um, You know, Jerome Bettis scored the... The touchdown and then Reggie Brooks got the two point conversion to win the game and I mean we were in the student section, and the, the touchdown was in the corner at the opposite end zone on our side. So we're all leaning over to see if he made the two point conversion and then the whole student body just fell over.
0: Oh my gosh what a great story. Oh my gosh. I always wanted to go to a game at South Bend. Um, I went to the big house with my son Dig to watch Ohio State, Michigan. Um, and, and I want to go to South Bend. Can you tell me, but uh, I springboard into it, what it's like to be present for a game at Notre Dame?
1: I love game day at Notre Dame. It's just the most incredible experience. I mean, it starts on Friday night with pep rallies. And you know, if you go into the Golden Dome, they have a the rotunda in there. They have the trumpet players that line the Rotundra and they play the fight song and the alma mater, and it's just the emotion in there is incredible. You know, at, at midnight they do the drummer's circle, and wow. on Saturday to watch the band kick off and the Irish guard and the player walk to the stadium. I mean, there's so much tradition and and rituals, and it's just it's a long day, but it's just amazing
0: (laughs) (laughs) it sounds absolutely incredible someday someday i'll I'll take my son and go there how about most memorable play in notre dame history
1: oh that's a good question um i don't know i I, that's a hard one for me i think everything is memorable so you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) well said very well said who do you think notre dame's biggest rival is
1: I would say probably either Michigan or USC are kind of our biggest rivals. I mean, right now, Michigan's off the schedule for a while. Um, You know, in my house, the Navy game is a big rivalry Mm -hmm. because my dad served in the Navy after he graduated from Notre Dame. Um, I know the Navy rivalry is kind of a hot button for people. They either love it or you hate it. I know a lot of us love the Navy rivalry, and a lot of people think it should should go that the tradition is, you know, over and that we paid our debt to Navy and that it should come off the schedule. So I mean, it's complicated. <laughs> um, you know, the history with Notre Dame and Navy is during World War II, the Navy kind of took over Notre Dame's campus. And used yeah. it for drills and that basically kept Notre Dame afloat because so many of our students had gone to war there just wasn't enough tuition money to keep it going and the Navy kind of saved Notre Dame during that time period and so the reason why they've kept them on the schedule is because of that kind of relationship but a lot of fans think that our debt's been paid and and that it shouldn't really be a rivalry anymore so I mean I don't know how you feel about that. But I personally love the Navy rivalry, but I know a lot of people don't.
0: Oh, fascinating take. No, I, I'm with you. I, I do love it. So if, if I may ask, who does your father root for when they play?
1: He usually roots for Notre Dame, but, you know, I think there's a little bit of Navy in his heart always, you know, but being that he's in Notre Dame's you know, alumni, that's usually where his loyalty, but it's a game he can't lose, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. Well, thank you, Lisa Kelly. Lisa Kelly, author of the series of books Echoes from Notre Dame and host of the site Echoes from Notre Dame, a book series by Lisa Kelly. You can follow her on Twitter at four, that's the number four, Four Leaf Clover Girl. Follow this woman. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.